TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Modelo. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Happy New Year. Final day of the year winding down. Sunset coming up pretty rapidly. College football playoff gets started today. With uh, the semifinals, Golden Gophers won their bowl game in New York at Yankee Stadium, beating Syracuse earlier in the week. Timberwolves on the radio tonight. They get Detroit. They're coming off an 0-4 road trip. They've dropped five in a row. They need a win tonight at Target Center. Timberwolves and Pistons, our coverage beginning at 6.30. Cal Soderquist turns it over to Alan Horton here on the Timberwolves. And then with the new year, sports coverage continues. Uh, Dave Schwartz, Pete Najeri in the huddle Sunday between 10 and noon here on News Talk E3OWCCO. Right now, we kind of want to take a look back at the year that was in space and take a look ahead in 2023. And we're pleased to be joined by uh, Stephen Clark from Space Flight now.com and he joins us on the john schuster coldwell banker hotline Stephen, good to visit with you and happy new year thanks happy new year steve yeah um spacex uh busy week leading up to the new year uh, they had a launch in florida and they had a launch out in california as well 
Exactly. Yeah, those are the two last uh, launches of the year for SpaceX. Uh, one from Florida, carrying another a set of Starlink Internet satellites into orbit, and uh, one from California with an Israeli um, Earth observation satellite. And that ends 2022 with uh, 61 launches by SpaceX in the calendar year 2022, which is a record for any, not just any commercial company, but for any single type of rocket in history. It breaks a record that uh, was set back in 1980 by the old Soviet Union Soyuz rocket family. And uh, next year, we can talk about that looking ahead, uh, more launches for SpaceX up to 100 forecast for uh, 2023. Yeah, most of these are paying customers, uh, or and a good chunk uh, for uh, the, the Starlink constellation, low-level satellites that will provide broadband uh, around the world there was a falcon heavy launch as well in 2022 and that made headlines because they hadn't launched in a while yeah yeah well, yeah they launched their first falcon heavy uh, since 2019 back on november the 1st uh, for the u.s space force and uh, we're not gonna have to wait long for uh, another falcon heavy launch that's going to be coming up actually just around the corner on january the 10th Another Falcon Heavy is set to fly, and of course, the Falcon Heavy is the most, uh, well, it is one of the most powerful rockets in the world. It was the most powerful until uh, NASA's uh, space launch system flew back in November, but Falcon Heavy is always impressive to see because they return those two boosters, those two side boosters, back to Cape Canaveral for uh, landing and reuse, and always is a sight to behold, and like I said, it was a long gap in Falcon Heavy launches because they had some delays with some of the payloads that were going to be on board, some of the satellites that were supposed to fly on this rocket. And uh, But we're not going to have to wait long for the next one, just uh, 10 days or so from now. Stephen Clark joining us, spaceflightnow.com on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. And the, the miracle of reusability, uh, a decade ago, um, the, this was considered by many impossible. And what we saw in 2022 is that they, they continue to push the limits of reusability at SpaceX. And this is still unique. You, you brought up Artemis 1 that flew and the successful mission around the moon and uh, the Orion capsule came in, blazing fast, splashed down in the ocean. But, but with the exception of the Orion capsule, everything else was disposable. SpaceX is reusing a lot of this stuff over and over again. And that that still is, at the end of 2022, a game changer, Stephen. Yeah, and, and, you know, a lot of the focus on reusing rockets has been correctly on reducing the cost of access to space because these launches, a, a marginal cost for a SpaceX launch now is less than $30 million per launch. That includes the pieces of the rocket that are built new for every mission as well as the refurbishment costs. You can double or triple that at least uh, for any other comparable rocket in the world, uh, including Chinese rockets. So it's a, a drastic reduction in cost. But also, and I think it's sometimes overlooked, is the fact that if you're reusing these rockets, you don't have to build a new rocket every time. You're not just saving the cost, but you're saving manpower and time. So that allows you to achieve such a rapid launch cadence if you're just reuse, re- reusing and refurbishing rockets instead of waiting for a new delivery from a factory, and you also reduce any risk or any concern about supply chain delays that 
we've heard about across different types, all different types of industries in the past year, including the space industry, those concerns kind of go away a little bit when you're reusing the rocket as well. Yeah, it, it is an extraordinary achievement. On the topic of SpaceX, before we segue into other, but uh, SpaceX, clearly the industry leader, is uh, we, we still haven't seen that much-awaited orbital launch of that Starship system uh, being tested, being constructed down in Texas. They have a large base at Boca Chica, and... Uh, 2023 at some point it'll happen we thought it might be 2022 um steven give us an update maybe on starship and where that program stands they've uh, spacex with the starship program has taken kind of a uh not a step back but they've slowed down a bit taking a more methodical approach in the last few months uh, we've seen them um after a series of test flights where we saw them launch the Starship up into the upper atmosphere and test the landing technique and and finally nailed that uh, back in 2021. The focus now has been on launching the fully stacked Starship into orbit, into space, which is a 400-foot-tall rocket, no small feat. And uh, the, the process they're going through right now is kind of a step-by-step approach of testing uh, engines on the booster stage of this rocket, so they've tested, I think, uh, more than a dozen at one time. They've done some uh, tests of a subset of the engines. But uh, there will be more than 30 engines firing on that rocket when it finally launches in, in its full configuration. And they're slowly, gradually stepping up to a full uh, complement of those 30-plus engines to gain confidence in the system before they launch it. Because uh, I think Elon Musk has said a few months ago that if if they take the same risk um, – risk approach they've taken before with this program and it blows up on the launch pad and destroys the launch pad it would set them back like six months to a year to rebuild that launch pad uh, Mm. because it is a a massive facility that they've constructed down there so i think what we're seeing is them taking a more uh, risk averse approach uh, to make it make sure they don't destroy the infrastructure they've built when they actually finally test fly this thing and I understand infrastructure is being built uh, where, where you're based at Kennedy Space Center down in Florida, that they will have capability going forward of, of launching Starship from there as well. Exactly. I think the, their focus right now is in Texas to, to kind of complete the research and development phase of the Starship. And once they test the system and launch it from Texas on uh, test flights, uh, the plan is to move uh, a lot of their operational launches, including the missions to the moon that they have under contract with NASA to, to land astronauts on the moon. Those will likely be launched from Kennedy Space Center. Stephen Clark joining us, spaceflightnow.com. Once again, based at Kennedy Space Center down in Florida. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, get an update on Artemis One. It was a successful mission, but billions and billions of dollars over budget and it won't fly again anytime soon. We'll talk about that and take a look ahead at 2023 and what are expected to be some big milestones when it comes to space and space exploration in the year 23. We'll get into that momentarily here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. Steve Thompson in, and pleased to be joined by Stephen Clark, SpaceFlightNow.com on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Well, Artemis 1 finally got off the ground. You mentioned the big SLS rocket launched successfully from Kennedy Space Center, uh, sent the Orion capsule around the moon, 
came back to Earth, uh, landed successfully, all good, but don't expect another flight anytime soon. Right. This was a critical, uncrewed test flight. Nobody was on board this uh, space launch system rocket or the Orion capsule, uh, but it tested a lot of the key systems uh, that will be required to carry astronauts in the future. Uh, but you're right. It'll be a couple of years before uh, we see another Artemis mission, Artemis II launch, uh, sometime perhaps in the second half of 2024 is what NASA is targeting right now. Uh, that will be carrying a crew of four astronauts, uh, actually three uh, U.S. astronauts and one Canadian astronaut through an international agreement around the far side of the moon. And uh, got a couple of years to wait for that. Uh, the main issues are uh, they're actually going, going to be refurbishing and recertifying some of the computers that were on board the Orion capsule, and that will take some time, according to NASA. And then they also have to upgrade the, the launch platform uh, that the rocket uh, took off from uh, at Kennedy Space Center. They have to upgrade it with some uh, safety systems for the astronauts uh, that weren't uh, quite ready for this last launch. So that's going to take a couple of years to get all that ready. Those are the two main uh, uh, sticking points, long poles, so to speak, in the schedule for Artemis II. Yeah, so we'll, we'll wait and see on that because uh, in this program there have been huge caused overruns and long delays so so we'll see for sure one other thing and i want to get to this before we take a look ahead to the year 2023 and this could be a big story in 2023 is the fact that uh, the the soyuz spacecraft at the international space station sprung a coolant leak and now there's some concern could it be used as a lifeboat to get the astronauts that are on the station back home safely and that's still being assessed right now and what they might do. I have heard, and maybe you can speak to this, would an option be uh, launching a SpaceX Dragon capsule to go up and, and bring astronauts home if need be? I think NASA and uh, the Russian Space Agency are evaluating all their options right now. And, um, yeah, this Soyuz spacecraft docked to the space station uh, is actually the ride home for two of yeah. the Russians and one of the Americans on board the space station. So without, uh, while the engineers of the Russian teams investigate the, the health of that spacecraft, you know, I would be a little reticent if I was one of those crew members if uh, something happened on the space station and that was my lifeboat home. Uh, but the Russian engineers are evaluating whether that spacecraft is still usable, essentially, if it can still be relied upon to bring those, those crew members back to Earth. They're supposed to come back on that spacecraft in March. Uh, so the options, if it's not deemed healthy, are the Russians could launch a, another Soyuz potentially in the uh, early spring time frame without anybody on board to go up and uh, they can essentially jettison the one that's damaged that's docked to the space station and release it to right. burn up in the atmosphere and launch another Soyuz. And NASA just uh, yesterday uh, has said that they've actually reached out to SpaceX. You mentioned that. Uh, to see if they have a capability to launch one of their Crew Dragon spacecraft uh, from uh, from Florida up to the space station to pot potentially bring those three crew members back to Earth in the spring as well. So they have they have lots of options: uh, uh, Russia, Russia, a Russian option, a U.S. option to bring those crew members home. But in the meantime, until that ride gets there, they may not have a ride back to Earth uh, if something went wrong, uh, which is not a good position to be in. 
No, cer- certainly not with, with space junk and other potential hazards. Uh, it's got to be of great concern. So that is worth watching. That is a story that will certainly develop early in 2023. Another one is Boeing. We haven't talked a lot about Starliner and their capsule. The, the competitor, uh, they uh, were really part of the same program that saw the, the crew Dragon capsule uh, be built and ultimately deliver uh, astronauts and, and return astronauts safely from the International Space Station. Where does Boeing stand? I would assume 2023 is a big year for Boeing and Starliner. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's hope they they are ready to fly astronauts in twenty twenty three. Right now, the current target schedule for that uh, crew flight, the first astronaut flight on the Starliner capsule, is in April. And uh, right now, I'm not hearing anything that would uh, put that under concern or any threat. Uh, right now, they seem to be on track for that. But this program has suffered many delays, as you mentioned. So it wouldn't be shocking if if there was another one. But that would put them about three years behind. SpaceX. Wow. SpaceX and Boeing got the contract for uh, from NASA, multi-billion-dollar contracts to each back in 2014 at the same time, and they both expected to launch astronauts uh, around the 2018-2019 timeframe. At that point, SpaceX did it in 2020, and we're still waiting on Boeing as we start 2023 uh, to give uh, another uh, another avenue, another uh, transportation provider for crew to the space station. All right, uh, Stephen, uh, what are you looking forward to in 23 when it comes to space? We talked a lot about SpaceX, and you're going to be seeing a lot of launches in your backyard at Kennedy Space Center in 2023. But but what stands out for you is, is potential big stories in the coming year. Yeah, indeed. There's a, First of all, there's going to be a whole new slew of new rockets that are going to be launching this year if, if schedules hold. One of them we've already talked about is the huge starship the biggest of them all 400 feet tall capable of uh putting 100 tons of cargo into orbit uh that will be a sight to behold and uh, that will be a major milestone if they were if spacex is able to launch that successfully and get that into orbit uh there are other rockets on the horizon that have been in development for a few years now or a near a decade in some cases a united launch alliance which is a competitor to spacex in the uh, launch business here in the United States is uh, set to launch their first new Vulcan rocket, which comes with engines that have been built by uh, Jeff Bezos's space company, Blue Origin. And that is part of uh, the effort to end uh, all U.S. reliance on Russian rocket engines. Right now, ULA's um, main rocket, the Atlas V, is powered by Russian engines and still is. And uh, the new Vulcan rocket, the United Launch Alliance, is uh, developing developing, and hopes to launch sometime in the first quarter, potentially, in the next couple of months of this year, will be have all U.S. engines. So that'll be a big one as well. Uh, there's also big new rockets, uh, medium to, to heavy lift class rockets that Japan and Europe are planning to debut this year, the um, H-3 rocket and the Ariane 6 rocket. And all of these rockets are designed... The Vulcan and the European and the Japanese rockets are designed to kind of uh, respond to the market pressure and the lower lower price pressure that SpaceX has put on them with the Falcon 9 rocket through reusability. Uh, however, as we mentioned, SpaceX has an even bigger or more reusable rocket on the horizon, the Starship. So it'll be interesting to see how those rockets remain competitive in the years ahead as well. And another one, another story I'm looking forward to this year, 
uh, we talked about Artemis II in 2024. However, uh, NASA expects to, uh, this spring, announce the astronauts, the crew members who will fly on the Artemis II mission around the moon. And uh, to put faces uh, on that crew and put faces, uh, astronauts' identities and life stories, and to learn about the people who are going to be flying to the moon on Artemis II will be kind of interesting to see as well. All right. Well, we look forward to your coverage at spaceflightnow.com. Happy New Year to you, Stephen. Always good to visit. Happy New Year. Talk to you next time. All right. There he is, Stephen Clark, spaceflightnow.com. And he's got a front row seat at Kennedy Space Center uh, for many of these launches and joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Coming up, we'll have an update on the weather. Looks like uh, we could see some weather impact uh, Monday night, certainly Tuesday, before the storm winds down on Tuesday night. There is a winter storm watch in effect already. We'll we'll get the very latest to you. And then Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune covers the Vikings. Border battle, Minnesota at Green Bay Sunday in that late television window. Uh, We'll we'll get the latest on uh, the Purple as they continue their push for the playoffs. They're already in. Can they hang on to that number two seed in the NFC? We'll get into all of that here on News Talk, E3-O-W-C-C-O. Border Battle Sunday, Minnesota and Green Bay. And I was visiting with producer Josh Wheeler during the break about this, and I'm, I'm glad there's juice. You know, Vikings fans would probably like to have the number one seed locked in and they can rest their starters over the final couple of weeks. But if you love sports, the fact that this means something to Green Bay tomorrow at Lambeau, they're trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. Minnesota Vikings trying to lock down a number two seed in the NFC playoffs. There is a lot on the line, and it goes without saying, one of the great rivalries in the NFL renews tomorrow, Minnesota at Green Bay. And Andrew Kramer covers the purple for the Star Tribune. Andrew, good to visit with you. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and it is fun because Green Bay's been on the brink of elimination but find themselves right back in the thick of it. And uh, a win over Minnesota tomorrow would be huge for a couple of reasons, but uh, they they still have playoff hopes in spite of what's been uh, a tough year for them. They have. They have. Yeah, they're 7-8 and eight right now. They were 4-8 and eight just three weeks ago and looked really cooked and dead in the water. And I've, I'm actually driving over to Green Bay um, as we speak, and I've seen a lot of, of Vikings, uh, you know, flags and uh, decals on cars heading that sure. same way. And I do wonder if some Packers fans sold their tickets three weeks ago <laughs> thinking this game wouldn't yeah. need much. Um, because I think we're going to see a lot of purple in those stands. We see some anyway every year, but I think Vikings fans are really getting behind this one, and it's going to be fun, especially because the Packers uh, obviously still have something to play for too. Yeah, and it, there's there's always a lot of storylines considering the game means something, and I suppose there is a scenario where uh, these teams could meet again uh, in the playoffs as well. But with two weeks to go, we don't want to speculate on that too much. Uh, Justin Jefferson, Star Tribune Sports Person of the Year. Uh, how about that? Uh, and <laughs> we, with this magical year and everything's gone their way and all the victories in one-score games, Justin Jefferson has been spectacular. 
He has. His, this young kid, I mean, he's only 23 years old, and he is yeah. on a pace that we have not seen from another NFL receiver. I mean, he's broken every record that he can at this young age. Um, he continues to ascend both um, in his production and in just the ways that he continues to win and go up and get the ball. It's, it's remarkable, and it's really it's a pleasure and an honor for anybody to be able to watch this kid because we're seeing an all-time great in the making. And even the Vikings teammates, coaches, they get surprised sometimes by what he can pull off in the middle of a game, whether it's the, the what's called the catch of the year that happened in Buffalo yeah. um, or the big, big games that he has had, setting the single game record, the single season franchise record, all these marks that he keeps crossing. And what's great, too, and you'll, you can read it in the Star Tribune story, is, is that everybody around him talks about how humble and gracious uh, of a, a young man that he is. And that doesn't always happen when you're told that you're great from a very young age. So um, he, he's just he's a great person to be around and obviously a phenomenal person to watch on the football field. Yeah, and your colleague Ben Gessling did the piece, and I invite uh, folks to check it out in the paper. You get the hard copy or uh, online at startribune.com. Quite a story, and he, he's obviously been a major difference maker for this team. And, and just a thought on Justin Jefferson. Many of us re- remember Randy Moss at the peak of his powers. And I don't know if there was a better vertical threat in the history of the game. A guy you could just throw it straight down the field and throw it as far as he can, and Randy Moss would find a way to get it down. What impressed me about Justin Jefferson, and and you're out there all the time, and, you know, you, you focus on the games as part of your job, is his ability to go over the middle and go in traffic and make the tough catch. That's what stands out to me, is that, yes, he can make the, the terrific catch downfield, the vertical game, or on the sideline, but when you, you're willing to go over the middle and take those shots like he does, that, that's, that's another level. Yeah, he's tough. And when you look at him, too, like when you just stand next to him, he's not the biggest guy. Yeah. And you wouldn't think that he can just take this physical punishment that he does. And what's remarkable is when he takes these hits, some of them illegal and flagged hits, he'll hold on to the ball almost every time. And, and that is the remarkable part about him, too, is that he's tough, that toughness that he's got, um, the willingness to go in there and stick his nose in there and take those hits that often, like I said, are getting penalized because he's, whether it's helmet to helmet um, or guys just being unnecessarily rough on him. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, the head coach, said a week ago that I think this is intentional. I think guys are trying to rough him up to see if they can bother him, and it's not working. (laughs) He keeps putting up these incredible numbers, and you're right. um, It's the versatility of Justin Jefferson that really stands out because he can sky over people like, like Randy Moss. He can also beat people with short little quick routes like a Keenan Allen uh, over there with the Chargers. Um, and then he can also go over the middle like, like as if he were 230 pounds, which he's not. So he just has this versatile part of his game where defenses don't necessarily know what part do we take away. Because if you take away the deep ball, he'll go over the middle. If you try to take away the middle, he'll beat you on out routes or, or goes or fades toward the sideline and just go over you. It's just incredible. And, and to see the Packers player, uh, Jair Alexander, their top corner, I mean, corners are, and defenders are confident always. But he went out there and said today that, oh, we're confident uh, this week 
that we're confident we can handle them, and that that first game was, quote, a fluke. Um, I don't think that was the smartest bulletin board material yeah. uh, to give Justin Jefferson. Hey, and there's juice going into the game tomorrow. Why not? Great stuff. Uh, the border battle, Green Bay hosting Minnesota at Lambeau Field tomorrow afternoon in, in what they call the late television window. Uh, and we're pleased to be joined by Andrew Kramer of the Star Tribune right now, who joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Uh, let's get into some of the other things in this matchup. Uh, week in, week out, injuries are a factor. What stands out for you on the injury report? Yeah, I think the Vikings are still nursing some injuries with some key veterans. You saw Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, uh, the other linebacker, Jordan Hicks. They rotated out of the game against the Giants on Christmas Eve because the Vikings have a long view of this. They want these guys fully healthy when they host that playoff game uh, later in January. And I do think you are still going to see them tomorrow rotate some of these guys out in key spots. They want to win and all that, but they also want those guys healthy. And then they also need to get a look at some of these younger talents that they have on the roster that, frankly, because of their health through much of the year, they haven't gotten a look at. And so whether that's rookie linebacker Brian Osamoa, third-year safety Josh Metellus, you're going to see these guys on the field, and you might go, who is that? What's he doing there? Uh, it's just because they're trying to take some mileage off of some of these stars. And the good thing, though, is that they don't have any major injuries. The biggest one is uh, their center, Garrett Bradbury. He's been dealing with lower back spasms and tightness. He actually got into a car wreck a couple weeks ago that aggravated that. And so he's going to miss his fourth game this week. Uh, Kevin O'Connell said yesterday that he's still hopeful that Garrett will be ready for the postseason, which, again, is, is their priority and what they're really worried about. Garrett Bradbury may not win comeback player of the year in the NFL, but uh, certainly could be in that category with the Minnesota Vikings because there was a lot of talk going into the season that Garrett Bradbury was to this point a bust in his career, a high draft pick, but but has turned it around, and when he's been available, has, has improved his play. You're absolutely right. Yeah, first uh, first round pick, 2019. He was the highest center drafted in franchise history, and he really did not live up to it for those first three years. And this year, uh, he has really made some strides where his absence these last few weeks has been noticeable because of how well he has been playing, which some of us in the media look around and go, how, how did that happen? Like we used to say that, you know, this guy is easily replaceable. Um, but he has made some strong strides, and I think you have to credit the coaching staff and how they're using him, uh, and also credit Garrett for sticking with this and, and mentally and physically putting everything into it to get better in his fourth year and try to make those strides that you really wanted to see. And I wouldn't be too shocked if he finishes out this year strong. I wouldn't be too shocked if, if we see him uh, back next year because he's a free agent coming up after this year. One of the concerns in this magical season has been the the play of the defense. Uh, a lot of yards, you, lo- you look at all the metrics, and it hasn't been particularly good. They are taking on Aaron Rodgers, one of the all-time greats. Now, Rodgers, with that said, has a thumb injury, uh, is good to go in this game, but uh, Aaron Rodgers starting to get maybe a little more comfortable with the current core receivers as well. Yeah, that's true. We all know anybody who's watched Rodgers long enough knows that you can get in his doghouse pretty quick if you do what 
uh, rookie Christian Watson did in week one. If you remember the game at U.S. Bank Stadium where he dropped a huge deep touchdown pass right out of the gate. Um, but it seems like over the last month or two especially, we've seen him build this rapport where he's starting to trust these guys more. They're making fewer mistakes in their routes. Uh, they're being where they're supposed to be and on time. Um, that's led to Watson scoring like eight touchdowns in four games not that long ago. He's questionable, though, with a hip injury. That's going to be one to monitor. If they don't have him, uh, that's really going to hurt Green Bay. And then, as you mentioned, Rodgers has a, a t- uh, thumb injury, excuse me, and then he's also got a knee injury that happened against the Dolphins, and he had to miss a practice this week because of those injuries. So uh, this offense for Green Bay is not healthy, but they do seem to be rolling a little bit and finding some rhythm. And we all know how dangerous Rodgers can be when he's got kind of weapons that he trusts. And we're starting to see them put up some points. And I think even more importantly for Green Bay, too, they're playing decent defense. They intercepted Tua Tagovailoa three times and that went over the Dolphins. They're starting to take the ball away. I think they've got nine straight games with a takeaway. Green Bay does. So the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, they need to control the ball. Uh, not let Rodgers hold on to it too long. Because as you said, this Vikings defense, uh, for many reasons, has been vulnerable at times. Yeah, and weather, not really a big deal, considering they're going in there on New Year's Day. Could be a whole lot colder, we all know that. And they're, they're going to be a little morning fog in Green Bay, but by the time they kick it off, fading sunshine, highs in the mid to upper 30s in Green Bay. So uh, not bad, not bad at all. Yeah. I would say the Vikings' luck is continuing. If you, yeah, would say any yeah, of, yeah. <laughs> if you would say any of their wins have been lucky this year, um, because Rodgers, I think after that win against the Dolphins, I heard him say, "We got a couple dome teams coming out to Lambeau, and I like our chances." Well, uh, the Vikings will certainly take it being almost forty degrees, uh, especially because they were practicing outside this week when it was like nineteen degrees in Egan. So uh, I think it's going to feel a little balmy for them on Sunday. Well, Andrew, appreciate the time. Safe travels over to Green Bay. Uh, if you ever have a chance, put it on your sports bucket list. Get to a Vikings-Packers game at Lambeau. I, I've been to one. It, it was a really good time. It, it Really good stuff. Oh, yeah. The, the atmosphere is unmatched. Yeah. It really is. It's, it's beautiful out there. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. All right. There he is, Andrew Kramer, joining us from the Star Tribune. Uh, Vikings-Packers tomorrow afternoon at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. We'll come back, talk a little more NFL. All the news at 4. We'll go outdoors with Steve Carney. Uh, Jez Myers will join us from the rink live. We'll talk plenty of hockey as well, college and pro, here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. All the news, all the weather at 4. We'll go outdoors. Steve Carney, Jess Myers. We'll talk hockey, college and pro. Uh, the Wild in action. They, they play a 5 o'clock game here on New Year's Eve, so so we'll have that for you. Uh, college football, uh, two playoff games today. The opener, TCU leading the Michigan Wolverines 14-0 out at the Fiesta Bowl, and that is uh, early second quarter. So TCU all over Michigan. Later on, uh, down in uh, Georgia, at the Peach Bowl, it'll be Ohio State and Georgia. And, of course, uh, the winners today meet for the championship. There are other bowl games, but uh, playoff uh, front and center today in college football here on a New Year's Eve. Of course, uh, typically 
the big day in college football is New Year's Day, but uh, the NFL, they're, they're not giving up Sunday. They, they, the NFL takes over uh, tomorrow on New Year's Day. Speaking of the NFL, as we know, the Vikes right now the number two seed. Uh, Eagles number one, Vikes two, 49ers three, Buccaneers four at seven and eight because they would be a division champion. Cowboys are the five at the moment, then the Giants and the Commanders top seven in the NFC. There's been a lot of talk lately about power rankings and how you'd put the 49ers first. I, I can't give them I can't give them that spot because Philadelphia is the number one seed and the Super Bowl goes through Philly this year. So you got to keep them the number one in the NFC, but I'd put the 49ers at two. And I know Viking fans, oh, more disrespect and so on and so forth. Um, While the Vikings 12-3 season has been wildly entertaining, Justin Jefferson has been outstanding. They have found a way to win football games. It has been a memorable season on that front. But that 49ers defense, that is a championship defense. That is uh, a Baltimore Ravens defense back in the day. That That is uh, an 85 Bears defense or potential to be that good where they, they, they certainly have uh, a defense that could ultimately win a Super Bowl. And they're on their third quarterback already. But I, I'd probably go this way in the NFC right now if I had to do a top four power rankings. Eagles, Niners, Cowboys, Vikings. Just because what transpired head-to-head between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Uh, three defeats this year, two ugly losses to those two teams. So I don't know how in the power rankings you could put the Vikings uh, ahead of those two clubs uh, this season. But uh, the Vikings and Packers tomorrow afternoon at Lambeau should be fun. We'll have the news in a moment here on CCO. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 